It's been a little time since we were at Spaceside and we've all been away and that's why there's a little delay on this next episode. But yeah, great to be back in the back in recording our, our fifth episode. And we've all been out and about, haven't we? We have. The ambassadorial team have been ambassadoring, if that's you the have. active verb. I'm not too sure, but it's been great, Gordon. I've been down in London, uh, down to the big city, the bright lights. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I've been in Chicago, New oh. York. Um, and you've also been in Wishaw, and we've got a smorgasbord. We're talking oh, we to really a smorgasbord of people, aren't we? We have really got one of the, 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 the biggest number of... That's why we can't hang about with some of the regular features. We just want to get into these interviews, including Hollywood royalty, Oscar-nominated, no less. We we do. I mean, I, we're having a bit of a... Is this the most famous person we've ever had on <laughs> the on the podcast? And I know that we've had Joanna Lumley. Um yes. But uh, I think uh, it'd be interesting to see whether um, uh, what the reaction is to this Oscar-nominated, very, very famous actor from, mm. I'll give you a little hint, from the film Fargo. So let's start with you. You were down at the weekend. With, oh, first of all, sorry, Gordon, what are you drinking? Of course, yes. And it will become apparent during the show. I'm drinking a, a, a Rieger's from kansas city established 1887 it's 46 alcohol and it is uh corn malt and rye with a trace amount of dry sack 15 year old oloroso especial sherry and you will see in maybe a bit of the interviews that we talk about later this whiskey was why we got the interviews we got and it was all to do with the sherry connection but we'll come back to that uh yeah that's 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 from kansas city missouri uh, not Kansas City, Kansas. I got a slight geography lesson there, but yeah, yeah. Um, very nice. I tasted it in America. Very, very nice whiskey. It is very nice, Gordon. Nice little spicy kick to yeah. that there. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll come back to right, Jay okay. Rieger from uh, Kansas. I'm drinking, well, I had to, uh, the new Legacy Chapter 3, Glengoyne Legacy Series Chapter 3. Hugely successful first series, which was, um, the first one was, pretty much European oak forward. The second one, very much bourbon cask forward. And this one, I think is, I think the best way to describe it is American oak forward. Bourbon, 20%, 30-odd percent of American oak sherry, just a little bit under 10% of European oak, and the rest is refills. So I think, you know, as a as a sort of, um, you, you always get a hint of that fabulous, um, you know, the vanillas of European oak, but there's that spiciness that comes through on the nose, a little bit of that cinnamon stick. 48% as well, which makes it utterly uh, mixable. Add with a drop of water as well. But on the palate, just thick, satisfying raisins, spice sort of cinnamon buns and just a beautiful creamy style to it. We'd love a bit of water as well. So the third in the series, all about, and you can give us a little insight into this, all about a gentleman called Tedder. Arthur John Tedder, um born 1861, arrives at Glengoyne as an excise man in the year 1889 and stays for three, four years, goes up to Elgin, um, mm-hmm. finally works his, works his way back down to um, London, becomes the chief head of the UK excise. And in the very famous case uh, of 1908-1909, which is called the What is Whiskey case, 
He is yeah. the first witness cited, first witness called. And we're not going to detail as Gordon. I'd love to do a year that changed whiskey. I can't believe I have not done that. But this parliamentary commission, 37 sittings with Arthur John Tedder, who was knighted for his contribution to this royal commission, laid down mm. the founding groundwork of what actually whiskey was. So the defining what the rules of it are now. Correct. The first legal definition. I think Irish were on one side of the debate and some Scots saying it should really only be pot still whiskey. And the mm -hmm. Scotch industry saying, no, whiskey can be pot still and grain based yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. And Arthur John Tedder was um, influential. And he, and he cut his teeth at Glen Going. There we go. And did you know very quickly, he introduced the world's first old age pension. He was responsible for that as well. God, he's done a lot, hasn't he? Brilliant. Well, so, so um, I think we should do a bit more of that in a coming episode because that's a very interesting story. Yes. Um, so Up let's let's get on the shuttle. Let's fly from Glasgow to London. You're in London. You're at Whiskey Live. Um, what was it like? Yep, great. First day was about trade. So it's all the people in the, the licensed trades, whether it's mm -hmm. distribution or, or selling it to, to the public. They come mm -hmm. in the first day. This was day two, and day two was open to the public. Wonderful uh, place, as you will hear, because Christopher mm -hmm. describes where we are. And round about halfway through, I managed to get an interview with the, really, would you say, Gordon, the organiser and the editor of Whiskey Magazine. Yeah, I mean, Chris, Chris is... Chris is Chris, I actually worked for Whiskey Magazine. Chris joined just after I left. So he's been there pretty much 10 years and he's he's a huge whiskey enthusiast. He came with us to Hareth when we talked about Sherry for Tamdu. He's uh he, he he yeah, he's a great guy to get a he's got a full understanding of the industry because of his position at Whiskey Magazine, and it's always good to to hear from him. And yeah. he he loves the stuff. So Chris Coates, editor of Whiskey Magazine. Here he goes. Well, my name's Christopher Coates. I'm the editor of Whiskey Magazine, and we're here at the Honourable Artillery Company in London for Whiskey Live London, the first in a couple of years, because uh, obviously we, we had a slight uh, hiatus of whiskey events that everybody knows about and we don't need to talk any more about. But uh, yeah, so the reason I'm here is that Whiskey Live, um, which is celebrating its uh, 21st anniversary, uh, was originally founded as Whiskey Magazine Live. It's a good pub quiz fact that not, not, not everyone can remember, and, um, and pretty much as the brand started growing and Whiskey Live started um, uh, partnering with, uh, with other people around the world and became a sort of global whiskey festival brand, we dropped the magazine, it became Whiskey Live and, uh, and the rest is history. And now Whiskey Live is the world's largest uh, whiskey festival brand. I think at the last count, certainly pre-COVID, I think we're in 53 cities. I, I think it's dropped a little bit now, but, uh, but it's certainly on its way back up again. And just a quick ex explanation of this place that we're in. This, I'll, I'll try and put some photographs up, but yeah, why did you choose this place? Well, have you chosen this place? Well, the, um, the, the, the Honourable Artillery Company, I mean, so it's, 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 if you haven't seen it, I'll, I'll try and describe it to you. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful old mansion house right in the heart of the city, uh, the city of London. It's, um, it's got one of the largest sort of like private green spaces uh, as well. It's a beautiful old historic building packed full of sort of military uh, paraphernalia and, uh, and curiosities, stained glass windows, lots of wood panelling. It's a very beautiful sort of opulent place to be. It also have a, has a large uh, drill hall which is uh, is where the whiskey festival is actually held and um, and we've been here oh i think well i've been with the business nine years and it, we would we'd been doing it here a few years yeah. before that so uh yeah we've we've been we've been here quite a while and it just works really well there's a new flavor of 2022 so 
Whiskey Live London is, um, is, is popular for, for, for one very particular reason, which is that we attract a lot of global whiskey brands here. So I think, um, particularly for sort of dyed-in-the-wool whiskey fans that have, you know, done every festival, um, there's perhaps sometimes a bit of cynicism about, oh, you know, I've tasted every whiskey, I've had all the core ranges from every brand. So I, and what I would say, you know, is you should try Whiskey Live London because we are almost exclusively what I would call small to medium-sized brands on, on, uh, on offer here. So it's um, a lot of independence, a lot of uh, new starts from around the world, some very, very established uh, distillers, but generally the sort of smaller ones. So, you know, you can taste things like uh, Brucladi and Waterford, uh, Tamdu, Glengoyne, we have Rampur, Indian Single Malt, Stowning, um, they're here as well, um, and they've been very, very popular. Some of the new Irish... Um, independence as well like Clan Cola are here and um, I think that's that's definitely the feedback we always get from whiskey fans that attend this event is that you know you can think you've tasted every whiskey and then you come here and actually you've almost definitely not tried 90% of what's in that hall. That's really nice. Now can, can I have so much to talk about. Can I move forward to the magazine? Yep. Big fan of the magazine. Thank really you. enjoy it. I've really enjoyed your editorials as well. Thank and you. the other uh, opinion pieces in there. Really nice. Some historical as well. Um, I did like and I want to speak about the one possibly coming up, if you can give us a little preview. Mm. But you have mentioned previously, whiskey should be fun. Let's not forget that. And I love that article. And also try and keep it affordable. So, I mean, this is, um, this is my sort of regular editor's word piece. And, and I have to say, I, you know, for, I've been uh, in the industry now for, for uh, nearly 10 years. And I've avoided, until very, very recently, ever publishing anything opinion based um, I think you know when you when the you know when you're working with people whose average uh, service time in the industry sort of you know 20 years is considered a whippersnapper still you know you know it, that, that means that sort of peeking your head above the parapet is a bit daunting um, but I'm equally very opposed to publishing fluff <laughs> you know you know that's not that's not what our you know what whiskey magazine is, is there to do you know our brief is celebrating the world of whiskey but also we're um, you know, we, we have a duty to be, um, you know, calling out trends, things that we're noticing. You know, we have a a unique global overview. You know, it's, it's very different from working for one whiskey company where you get this depth into one particular distillery or one particular company. You know, we could be, uh, you know, I joke with people quite often. You know, one day I could be reading about, you know, Speyside single malt Scotch whiskey. You know, about as you know traditional as it gets. And the next day I could be reading about you know farming practices in Idaho and how that's influencing the local whiskey making scene. You know, it's it's very it's very very varied. Um, but anyway, in the, in the opinion pieces, the two that you you referenced there, one was um, there was a. There was a scuffle at a whiskey shop in London um, when people were queuing up to get rare bottles that were just being released. Um, there was a similar incident at a uh, at a whiskey festival in Scotland where it wasn't quite scuffles, but people were getting very loud and obnoxious and getting very upset because they didn't get the bottles they want. I've also met a lot of people who sort of get genuinely quite angry you know in the way that people get you know if their football team doesn't win or something you know like genuinely like enraged because they got sniped at the end of a whiskey auction and I could see all these people getting so stressed out about whiskey and thinking seeing it as a way to like make money as a side hustle and things and, and don't get me wrong like I understand that we're in you know relatively dire economic circumstances and a lot of people you know are needing to supplement their income so I'm not you know I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly understanding of that but I also 
don't think I believe that that's why, what these people are doing. I think this is people who have money, they can take the risk, they're speculating on bottles and they're not sort of really in the spirit of it. So anyway, so what I was talking about is the fact that, you know, just a reminder that, you know, to any readers that were, that were reading that editorial, that, you know, if you, if you recognise yourself in any, of these, in any of these sort of things I'm describing, you know, just take a step back. You know, there's, there's, you know it's easy to get sort of like shoved onto the hype train behind certain whiskies and be like, oh my God, I need to add this to my collection or I need to buy that. And it's like, you don't. There is quite literally more amazing whiskey out in the world right now than there ever has been in human history right yeah, yeah. there is and there's so much stuff that flies under the radar and and that's not just from like the new boutique brands either you know there are there are large whiskey companies out there that you know that some of the ones that where it's almost like a national pastime to sort of complain about them <laughs> that are releasing whiskies from massive brands particularly blended whiskey that they, nobody gets hyped, gets excited about them. Nobody gets hyped up about it. And you think, but actually, some of this is genuinely some of the best whiskey that you know that I've tasted. Equally, you've got new distillers who are releasing stuff. You know, I had, um, and I'll, I'll call this out specifically. I tried um, the Wireworks whiskey from White Peak Distillery uh, in England um, the other day, and I tasted it blind. And I would never have guessed that that was sort of three years and a day whiskey. I mean, genuinely complexity, maturity, and not a high entry price point either. And I was thinking, you know, there is quality out there. You don't need to fight over it. So anyway, so, so the next um, piece that's just about to publish is um, about the fact that the next generation of whiskey makers, marketers, ambassadors, uh, even salespeople are sort of coming through. I feel like there's um, more than any other point in my career, I, I'm very keenly aware that there's this sort of change of the guard happening. So people are retiring, new people are um, stepping into sort of the top jobs, the agenda setting jobs, um, whether that be marketing strategy, sales strategy, whiskey making strategy, whatever it is. And, um, and I've heard from a, from a lot of different distillers that there is a situation arising where the new guard aren't getting the same kind of exposure or, uh, or training, length of training periods that, the, the, that, that, their, that their predecessors had. So, you know, quite a lot of the top whiskey makers, for example, you know, they did 15 years or 20 years of apprenticeship before they took on the top job. And some of the people that are about to move into these roles or have recently moved into these roles you know were trying to get their that you know the sum total of their predecessors experience sort of handed to them in a quarter of that time or less you know that and, and it's not it's not possible you can't you can't pass that on so one of the things that I'm a big advocate for is actually getting these people recorded like we're doing now yeah, which yeah. is where, where I'm going to congratulate you I'm going to congratulate you you know I think you're doing a great service here because you know, this stuff, you know, I know that there's some people internally, you know, some people that hold the purse strings that would go, oh, you know, it's not a commercial activity. It's very time consuming. Yeah, creating great content is time consuming. It's a special, you know, it's a specialist skill. Like, obviously, you know, obviously I'm going to say that in, in my line of work. But, you know, it doesn't have to cost, you know, tens of thousands of pounds or millions of pounds to capture and archive the living history that we have the privilege to still be exposed to. You know, particularly... Um, people who were in the industry uh, and maybe joined very young, sort of like 16, 17, during the post-war boom, 
uh, Whiskey Boom, they, um, you know, they have stories and they have an understanding of the way the industry historically works, which, you know, you just... It's, it's, it's a completely different world. You know, it's unrecog- you know, the industry is almost unrecognizable to, to what they experienced. And what I'm worried about is that pretty soon, you know, even silly things like the stories where they go, oh, yes, you know, this still was the funny one and you had to run it differently from the rest. And, and actually, it's because, the, you know, I don't know, the sun came through <laughs> onto it and, and that meant that it warmed up during this, or whatever it is, you know, whatever the, whatever the, the small anecdote is or, the, you know, the story about, the postman that would time his route so that he would could get there at dramming time at every distillery. You know, little things like this yeah. are becoming second-hand stories. And as soon as something becomes a second-hand story, you start getting inaccuracy creeping in and, and things turn from historical record into sort of myth, legend and, and anecdote. And, and what I believe very, very strongly in is that there needs to be a sort of mass industry-wide and I'm not just talking in Scotland I'm talking in you know the States Japan Japan particularly as well because they're in a very similar position because they're because of the age of their industry now where these people just need to be sat down no matter what area of the business they're in and they need to be given a day where they're just recorded ideally with video because with video if you do later want to use that to communicate uh, with you know to share with the world you can put captions on it and I'm very I believe that that is it's not only more accessible and opens it up to more English-speaking audiences, but also internationally, if you're going to put that out, uh, people that don't speak English, you know, need to be yes, able to have yes. subtitles, and you can't subtitle a podcast, you know, and <laughs> um, you know, but but at look, the very, you know, but at the very least, get, you know, get at the very least get the audio recorded because there are there's information and there are stories that we're going to lose we if we don't get that done now. We've lost, lost so many, I think. That's, and one thing this industry in Scotland has got is that's heritage. Yeah, we're losing exactly. it. Christopher, magazine's absolutely wonderful. Thank For you so listening much. here, where did they get it? Do you get it online? Um, so, so, get on, it? so you can subscribe online at whiskeymag.com. Um, there are almost always sort of subscription deals going on, so you can check that out. Just click the subscribe button, and I, I uh, and you'll be able nice to little whiskeys delivered to me. Ah, well, that's true. Yes, yeah, so I, I believe that that's might still stopped. be running. That, it, yeah, it, well, it might it might still be running. Um, it was uh, for, for UK subscri- UK based subscribers. If you subscribe for an annual uh, yeah, yeah. For, for, for the year, you were yeah you were sent through little miniatures as well. So uh, so yeah, well I hope you enjoyed them. <laughs> I'm glad you liked them. <laughs> Back into the whiskey yeah, festival. Yeah, let's get in and taste some whiskey. Yeah, great. Thank Thanks you very so much. much. Oh, that was great. That was London. What a lovely, a lovely time, Gordon. You've done whiskey live, and it's just great to get people in a room. But what a place! Um, and it's not open to the public. But that was the Honourable Artillery great. Company. Yes. Fabulous, isn't it? Beautiful. Really right in the heart of the, right in the heart of this, just very near the Tower of London. Beautiful place. And I have to say, if you've never had a, a weekend with Sandy McIntyre, it's uh, it's you know. Early to bed, I would imagine. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very boring, very dull. Um, uh-huh. Very good, very good. So then you ended up in, uh, I think I could say really South Lanarkshire, would that be fair? That's right. It's a place that the locals call Wishy, and the people <laughs> that don't know it call it Wishaw. And it's not really in the whiskey map, but there is a restaurant there called The Artisan. Ah, yes. Run by a gentleman called Derek Mather. Yep. And... I can't remember Gordon Ripley in an interview, but there's 2,300 whiskies on the gantry you can choose from. You've got to scan a QR code and you can download your phone and choose mm-hmm. just under two and a half. And in total, in that restaurant, there's 3,500 whiskies and it's growing. I have been to this restaurant. And if you haven't been, uh, it is a little bit out of the way, if I'm off, honest, but mm-hmm. when you get there, 
his hospitality is fabulous. His food is fabulous. You will not leave hungry. I'm intrigued to hear what he's got to say. Well, here we are. It's a, uh, what's that? Wednesday, May the 18th. And uh, can I ask who, who you are and where we are? You're in Wishaw at Artisan Restaurant, and I'm Derek Miller. And we have our uh, audience behind us. Woohoo! Uh, Derek, how did it go tonight? Some great foods. And could you explain what your place You've been on the podcast before, but just give us a quick explanation of what the Artisan is and what you're trying to achieve. Uh, trying to educate people about whiskey. We're crazy about whiskey, so why not try and promote it? And tonight was an Ian McLeod tasting. Ian McLeod tasting time. with Tam Doo, Glenn Goyne, Pig's Nose. Six hours as well. Six hours as well. That was a very good night. Now, how many whiskies? I'm only trying to take a few photographs for the website. How many whiskies are here? Because I believe there's a new system now with a QR code. There's a QR code. The QR code are the open bottles, so there's like 2,400 opened. There's 3,700 in the restaurant. What's a snapshot in the last, say, year of what's been popular? They've they've all been popular. Um, Normally, quite a few space sides, a lot of sherry drams, um, a lot of a lot of younger people now getting into whiskey, so they're going for the sweeter drams. So your Tam Do, your Glen Goines are all are all going. Um, Balvenie Double Woods always very popular. I try and stay away from Macallan because I think it's overpriced. And lots of Brookladdy. And the people, international visitors have been thin the ground. I'd imagine the last couple of years. The last couple of years, yeah, because but. the world fell to Keith. Yeah. Um, but now they're all coming back. We've got. We've got people from Vienna in tomorrow night. I've got people in from Israel on Saturday. I've got Germans on Sunday. And people know this place. Can you just explain about Wishaw? Because people know Chicago, New York. They know London. But Wishaw, could you explain where it is in the world? And- it's right in between Glasgow and Edinburgh. If you can imagine Beirut, but with a, <laughs> a, a Scottish accent. <laughs> um, then, then you'll find Wish on the you'll you'll find Artisan in the middle of it. So there's a website for people to check. Yeah, there's a website with a Facebook page as well. So if the Facebook page is Artisan Wish or the website is obviously artisan-restaurant.co.uk. And if you had to do a flight of whiskey, people think I quite fancy that. What would be a nice flight of whiskey? See, give us five whiskies uh, that you maybe put a flight on for someone. Flight of whiskies. Um, well, obviously we'd mix it up between peaty, sherry, bourbon. So we'd probably go maybe. Start off a Glengoyne 10, maybe do a Balvenie Doublewood. Possibly last drum would be like a Keelila or a Port Charlotte. Try and do an unpeated Isla, so maybe a Brookladdy or a 12-year-old Bunahaben. And then maybe throw something from out in the world, something different, maybe like a Milk and Honey from Israel or something from France or Germany. Yeah, be careful. Listen, I've got no time to talk because it's been a wonderful night. Yep. I'm going to say goodbye to these lovely people, but thank you, Derek, for a wonderful evening tonight. No problem. Many, many uh, good luck and, and, and congratulations with the Artisan Ratio. Cool, thank you very much. A great night. It's great to do things on Zoom, but when you're in a... Ah. Smell the food and people are having a great, good laugh and the chef comes out and the whiskies are pouring. It's just phenomenal. So you, I would heartily recommend anyone coming to Scotland pop into the Artisan. You can't, you can't beat it. You cannot beat it. We are, you know, whiskey is a social thing and that's why meeting people and enjoying it. And I noticed that when I was away in the States, it's so, so important. So fabulous. So I've been these special episodes, you know, we've got no time to hang about and do our little challenges and uh, little curiosities as we call them. (laughs) Take us to America. Well, I went to America uh, about 
two and a half weeks ago. And really, we the reason we went to America was to really just, we hadn't been over there. It was important, I think, to reconnect with the people that sell our products, but also the consumer at the end and, and to get an understanding of there are challenges in the market over there in terms of what we see here in terms of supply and distribution and things like that. But it was important for us to get over there. Um, so I spent um, a few days in Chicago and then I also spent a few days in uh, in New York, um, which was really good with our team over there. So uh, firstly, I met a couple of our guys that we've been working with for two years on teams. And I, you know, I met Mike Smith and was like, Mike's our guy in, in, Chica- in California. And I was like, um, oh, my God, you're a lot taller than I thought you were. He says, well, I've only ever been sitting down, to be fair. So um, that was great. But, yeah, in Chicago, I caught up with some very old friends. Um, and we started our trip by going to a, an event at Binney's, which is the biggest retailer in Chicago. And while I was there, um, I met a very famous, interesting person called William H. Macy. Have you heard of Mr. Macy? I have. I am very familiar with Mr. Macy's work. Yeah. And it's one of these, he's a character actor, so he pops up in so many yeah. American and Hollywood movies, much more than you would think, but really well known for, I think a lot of people know him from the American Shameless now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he, like a fabulous, um, fabulous guy. And just really, he's, he's representing a bourbon he's involved with called Woody Creek. Um, Look, I'm not going to say any more. Just listen to the Oscar-nominated William H. Macy. So we're here at Binney's World of Whiskey, and I'm here with acclaimed actor William H. Macy. Um, Fabulous to meet you, and it's good to see you're drinking a Tamdu. Tell me what you think at the end. Now, you're here because you have a a whiskey of your, your own. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about it? Um, I now live in Woody Creek, Colorado, and uh, the two owners live on either side of me. One morning I woke up and they had planted corn in one of my fields. And after a while, they asked me to be their spokesperson. My official title is Spokes Dude. And um, I've been uh, touting this whiskey for about four years now. And it's such a great product. It's, it's a shoe-in for me because I love everything about alcohol. So, say I do as well. Um, so what, what what do you think makes it stand out? With, you obviously got the, you know, with bourbon, you've got the, the high amount of corn and the mash bill. What else do you think is the things that make it a little bit different? Um, it's not a cliche. It's 100 uh, percent Colorado. All the ingredients, with the exception of the some of the flavors in the gin, it's 100 percent sourced out of Colorado. Their distillery is the most magnificent thing I've ever seen. It's there are two German pot stills that are two stories high, and the finishing machines and the mash machine, and it's all gleaming copper and stainless steel in a really cool building. Is it making whiskey just fabulous? It's so romantic. And uh, Dave, our master distiller, is here, and every once in a while, you know, all it goes through all of these stills, and then there's a little place where it goes into basically a cup before it goes in, and he, every once in a while, goes over, takes a little bit, I love the nomenclature of distilling, the whiskey thief and the angel share. I love all of that. I find it so romantic. And, you know, whiskey, it predates writing. Of course. course. I mean, we made beer before we made bread. Exactly. No, absolutely. And obviously, I'm from Scotland, another great producing country of whiskey. Um, Have you been to Scotland? I have, briefly in Edinburgh. I was seeing plays. 
Well, the next time you're in Scotland, if you are, and I'll give you my talk, we'd love to welcome you to Glengoyne Distillery or even Tamdu. It'd be great, and we can show you how we do it. I'm there like a bear at the fair. Uh, all the boys in uh, Woody Creek, we've been talking about a trip to Scotland for about two years now. It'll happen. You are welcome to our distilleries. So I want your we'll, card, and I'll we'll, see we'll you there. Um, it's great here to be back, seeing people. I mean, it's been a heck of a two years for I everybody. know. Isn't it great? That's what whiskey's about, socializing. I know. And you can feel it, too, the corks out of the bottle, so to speak. I'm so sick of this pandemic, I can't oh, tell you. Me too. And I work through it, and the, the protocols when you're shooting a movie or on a play are so rigid. I know. It must, must have been tough. Well, I'm going to have a little taste of your, your Woody Creek. Uh, it looks a fantastic range. You've got What a do you drink? Are you... I'm a rye drinker. I, I love rye. I grew up in Georgia, so I was a bourbon drinker, and this rye well, I'm, well, I'm changed my life. I'll get a glass. Get a glass. I'll get a glass, and I'll come and try your rye. Um, look, thank you for being on our podcast. It's been, you know, fabulous. We're just a little podcast, but we just spread the word of whiskey. We're, I'm a huge fan of your work, Shameless, as well as, of course, Fargo, my favorite, one of my favorite films. So, a pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for and talking enjoy to the me. All righty. It's delicious. Oh, and the Oscar for best interview goes to Gordon and Das Millie Mates Macy for Billy's. Yay! Thank you. I want to thank my mum my, my and my dad. I want to thank everybody. Thank you very much. Um, on the stand next door to Mr. Macy, and, and what was very interesting, just before we move on, there was a lot of bourbons at the show. There's a lot of bourbons in America, a lot of companies producing bourbon or or, or should I say promoting bourbon um, and uh, not necessarily producing it. Um, um, but um, it, I mean, it, it's a flooded market and I think longer term, it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but uh, I love a bourbon, but it gets to the point. It's quite a narrow category. Yeah, so you're a little bit why like, did you say, why did you just say that the difference between producing and promoting? Well, some, 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 some bourbons are made by another company that people put their label on. It's right. a fact that people know about, um, and and some people have arrangements that they'll get that bourbon produced for them until they have enough of their own, yeah. um, and that is a, a way the bourbon industry has worked, and uh, it's sort of out there in the open now. But it's it's interesting to see how this will move forward. And I think when you've got you know some, I mean that Woody Creek was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, uh, I'd buy a bottle of that tomorrow. I know what you're drinking, the Jay Rieger, brilliant too. Really nice. Um, but, uh, you know, if I'm honest, and, and they're not all bourbons, but, you know, if you drink a bourbon, the, the taste profile is pretty narrow compared to scotch, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, and it'd be interesting to see how things go, but well, it, there's, it really is a lot of producers. So, um, but next door to William H. Macy was, was a fellow Scot, a fellow, fellow Scottish producer. And it's a distillery we've not really covered that much, and I wanted to just get his sort of background on Torreveig, which is the new distillery on Sky. So we have Talisker on Sky, obviously, the one everybody thinks of. But Torreveig is the new kid on the block and producing cracking single malt. Um, and Neil uh, was over there promoting it. So I'm here at World of Whiskies at Binney's in Chicago, and I've come across uh, a fellow single malt. We're at the Torreveig stand. And uh, well, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Yes, Neil Matheson. Uh, I'm the whiskey maker at Torveig, and it's great to be here in Chicago. Do you know how hot it is now? It is very hot here in Chicago, actually. I had some colleagues who were here three weeks ago, and it was snowing, but now it's very hot. Neil, how's everything going at Torveig? Just very exciting times for you. Very, very exciting. I think we've now had our fifth birthday, 
and we're now looking at the whiskey and thinking to ourselves that we're doing pretty well, we're doing pretty well. We've got a single cast five-year-old, which will be a high point of our distilling and bottling coming out in about a month's time. Sounds fantastic, and I have to make sure I come and visit the distillery. Uh, and if you're on Sky, of course, there's two distilleries on Sky now, so make sure you visit Torovig. Um, if For those who maybe don't know, what would you say the house style is of the whiskey? Well, we call it well-tempered peat, and that's because uh, we're not aiming for the high aromatics of Lefroig or the earthiness of Lagavulin, but we're tempering it in our little fat small stills. We have a historic building, so they didn't allow us to build the stills that we could have had. So it's a product of the distillery, which I hope is what every other Scotch whisky distillery is. And what's the annual capacity? Half a million litres. That's pretty significant, actually. I, you know, it's not that small. It's not that small, but I'd like to see us sell some of it soon. <laughs> of course. And how long are you in town? Are you here for Whiskey Fest as well tomorrow night? Yes, three days hard slog with the Chicagoans. I think my team is taking me out from 10 o'clock to 10 o'clock every day. Sounds like a hard slog. Neil, thank you for being on Whiskey Unscripted and great to hear about Torovic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, that was great, Gordon. Just yeah. and I've just mentioned about the six aisles, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know that that single malt from from those six islands, including Sky, fabulous. Great. Um, we really then obviously. Us, well, I'm going to take you to probably Chicago's most famous whiskey bar. Um, this is a, a a bar that I've known since I've been in the industry. Everybody sort of knows it. If you're in Chicago, I strongly recommend you go to it. It's called Delilah's. North Chicago, mm -hmm. about 15 minute drive from the city center. Um, and it's a it's almost like a sort of biker bar. It's it's a sort of um, I don't know the word, but it has the most amazing selection of whiskeys. Um, and everybody goes there after any whiskey events in Chicago and very famous bar run by a very good friend of mine and, and big character in the industry, Mike Miller, who is a huge Scotch fan, huge bourbon fan. Um, and I've met him many, many times and he's been over to Scotland and things like that. And he's a, he's a big character and hugely influential in, in whiskey in, in Chicago. Um, so um, I thought while I was in there having a, a dram or two after, uh, after the Binnies event on Thursday, I'd just catch a quick word with Mike for the podcast. Gordon, you never stop working. I know. Yeah. You, is this some secret overtime that I don't know about? This is <laughs> this is over and above. Oh, brilliant, Gordon. Take it away. Okay, so we're here in Delilah's on a, on a Thursday evening just before Whiskey Fest. And I'm here with, uh, well, an old friend of mine, uh, uh, Mike Miller. Mike, um, great to be back here. I've just been speaking to a gentleman outside. He was telling me about uh, the place around the corner that does Slingers. But uh, no, what, do you remember that night? Um, Mike, firstly, how the uh, are you? You know, Gordo, I'm fabulous. I'm hanging out here at Delilah's, some fabulous friends. Therefore, I'm fabulous. Now, Mike, this remember is... Remember that night, Doug Gordo? Yeah, I, do, I, I do, I do remember that night, yeah, I we do We took remember. over all the seats at the diner. We all had slingers. We all got our certificates of completion. We did. And uh, I dropped George off at the Hyatt. I know, I was didn't there. Have any, he didn't have any luggage or ID. And the people at the Hyatt said, Mr. Grant, we can't check you into your hotel room because you don't have any identification. 
And he pulled out his certificate of completion <laughs> of eating his slingers. slingers. And they checked oh, him into the hotel. I never laughed so much. Very I mean, funny. Very Big funny. night, yeah. Very funny. Whiskey week, buddy. We've done some really good shit over the last few years, but I mean, it's 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 good to be back here. It's good to see you. How long have you had this iconic bar? Seems like forever, Gordo. Twenty nine years. Twenty nine years. Why? Wow, that's amazing. Twenty nine years. Yeah. Tell my and- liver. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know we have livers because they're for a living. So for anybody who's never been to Chicago, if you want to come and drink really some amazing whiskeys and drams and, and anything, have a good time. and have a great time, come to Delilah's. Yeah. It's all about having a good time. It's about brotherhood, sisterhood. It's about community. It's about engagement. You know, the whiskeys are about sharing and having fun. And I don't know about you, but I'm willing to buy a thousand whiskeys and put them on the shelf and share them. And everybody comes in and just pays their share. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's not about money. It's about having a good time and sharing. And if it ever becomes about something else, then we've all missed the point. So that's Mike Miller. What a character he is. And uh, just loves sharing whiskey. It's all about the social aspect for him. So like everybody, the last two years has been difficult. Now, also in the bar, and and I couldn't resist speaking to this gentleman, uh, was Richard Urquhart. Ah. From the Urquhart family of Gordon McPhail. Now, they've had a lot going on in the last few months and years. They've been launching one of the oldest whiskies in Scotch. They've been building a distillery. They've been doing a lot. And, 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 and so I thought, I need to catch a word with Richard to catch up on all the Gordon McPhail story and chat. I haven't seen him for a little while. Fellow sailor, loves sailing. And I see him on the sailing race course occasionally. But uh, really nice to catch up with him in Chicago. And it's funny how Gordon, quickly, before we start the interview, how... You probably live a few hundred miles away, but you've got to go to Chicago to a place <laughs> called Delilah's to actually have a conversation with Richard. <laughs> such is such is such is the the way life is. Um, you're on a bit of a tour of America at the moment in North America. Is that fair? Yeah, we're traveling around, seeing people, and and spreading. Been the word. selling whiskey. Yeah, selling whiskey. Tell people what but we're you're doing. You're not just selling normal whiskey. You're selling. You're selling. You've been. You've been. Because you obviously famously b- bottled relatively recently. The oldest single malt in the world? At the time, it was the oldest. Yeah. But another company has now launched an 81 year old. They have. But it was the 80 year old, the oldest whiskey at the time when we launched it. And what, what distillery was that from? Uh, Glenlivet. So a cask built by my great grandfather and my grandfather in 1940. Matured for 80 years by four generations of the family. And then released as an 80 year old single malt whiskey. What strength was it? So it's 44.9% in strength. We released 250 bottle decanters. No bottles, decanters. Decanters, everybody, decanters. That means, you know, might be a little bit pricier. Designed by a famous architect, David Adige. This was his first kind of venture into whiskey and Scotch whiskey. And an amazing design for a decanter and, a, and the packaging to go with it. So we had this piece of art designed by him. This really old whiskey filled by my great-grandfather. And we had this amazing, vibrant whiskey that was still so fresh after 80 years. That is incredible because, I mean, your natural reaction might be, could be a bit tired, a bit over-matured, whatever, but to have a whiskey that's as vibrant as that at that age is incredible. Well, let's go back one step. It was 44.9% in strength. We released 250 decanters. 250. 
the cask was half full. So for that to be, if you think about that for a second. That's a good sign. We had volume, we had strength. So we decided to bottle it. It wasn't the last few bottles. It wasn't at low strength. That was a proactive decision by Goldman Fail, by our team back home, to actually bottle that whiskey and we felt it as I speak. Um, a quick update on, uh, on the Cairn, the new distillery as well. Just in Granton on Spay on the way into Speyside. Looks fabulous. How's that all coming on? So we're getting close to completion. The first bird is starting to come off the sails. The first official run will be later this month on character. So it's amazing for a family member to see our next legacy, our generation, to actually bring it back to business. And that be in that position now to go, that is what we're leaving behind for Generation 5. And that's very interesting because it's a very similar attitude to what we have at Ian McLeod with Rosebank. That is a legacy, of course, as well. And you've got to remember that when you're building distilleries and things like that, it's not immediate, it's long-term. It's a long-term thing, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we benefited by the foresight of my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my dad, my uncle, my aunt. And we have Ben Roman Distillery as a result of that. Now it's our turn to lay the sign back down. And it's incredibly exciting to see the Cairn come to fruition. It's been years and years in planning. And now we're so close to spirit coming off and character. Of, and then we've got to wait 12 years. Or, or however long it is so you create good whiskey. Yeah. So that is something that we will look forward to. And incredibly exciting for us to be in that position. But great to be back seeing consumers in the US, tell our stories, tell them about what we do, and hopefully enjoy and learn something about our whiskies. Richard, thanks for the update from Gordon and McPhail. We're a big fan of what you do. All the best, my friend. Thanks, Gordon. It's a pleasure. Fantastic. Um, I, drove, I drove past the Cairn Gordon on the way to the space site, as you did. Yes, it's really come on. It really has come on. It's going to be a big distillery. And what's important for me is that there's a golf course right behind it. Mm, and a right. fishery. So what a day that would be. A bit of fishing uh, on the course and then into the Cairn. I would uh, I make sure you get that in the right order. I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do whiskey first. Put no, it that way. No, no. Uh, uh, whiskey water doesn't. I uh, know. Try to catch a fish. Yeah, um, and then your golf could be an absolute nightmare. But yeah, so, um, yeah, no, really, really good. And then obviously, I, I, uh, and you'll hear in the interview why we connected with these two. But um, fabulous, fabulous ladies, Nicole Gilbert and Andy Ryan from Jay Rieger, who you are drinking. And, and I tasted that at the Binnings event and it was fabulous. And we connected with these couple because of the connection of Williams and Humber in Spain. So I'm here in Delilah's and uh, I met a really interesting lady earlier that we were talking about Oloroso Sherry. And we were to and it was three three words that made us sort of connect and it was Williams and Humbert. Um, just to just to sort of enlighten everybody, can you tell us your name and who you work for? Yes. <laughs> My name is Andy Ryan and I work for Jay Rieger and Co. from Kansas City, Missouri. That's Kansas City and producing great whiskey in Kansas. 
Well, it's Missouri. Sorry, Don't Missouri. Right, right on the border. Yeah. You'll notice quickly as Midwesterners don't take kindly to that. Yeah, get, get your geography right, right here. Yeah. Yes. Know, know your state borders. Know the borders. Yes. <laughs> so it's Missouri. Yes, Kansas City, Missouri. And I tasted some of your whiskey earlier. Yes. Fabulous. With our 15-year-old Oloroso Sherry from Williams and Humbert. Exactly, which is significant because obviously I know you had a Tamdu 15 earlier, which is uh, uses yes. Sherry sometimes for Williams and Humbert, but... Um, talk us through the sort of philosophy of the business in terms of whiskey. Our business. So we are a pre-prohibition brand. We were founded in 1887 in Kansas City, Missouri by a man named Jacob Rieger. And that was the era in American whiskey where rectified whiskeys were dominant, where we would blend fortified wines into new make whiskey, essentially because the American government was kind of an asshole and they would tax distillers the moment their booze would go to distill. Oh, the, the, the British government was the same. <laughs> There's a reason we broke away from, from the Brits. There's a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you've been at the Binnings event. You're at Whiskey Fest yeah. Chicago tomorrow night. Um, what do you think is going to be the, the one people will go for from your range? We are bottled in bond rye whiskey. Our six-year-old bottled in bond. So being a rye whiskey, uh, when you make whiskey with rye... The word you would associate with that generally is spicy, peppery. Yes. Um, is that the case, or is it softer? Or I think because it was aged for six years, it definitely has a much more smooth approach. It's not that sharp rye bite, but it is a 96% rye mash bill. So that's very high. What's the other four percent? A little bit of barley. Barley. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Obviously, single malt, 100% malted barley, but you are now 96% right. Yes, yeah, 96%. But fortunately, we were able to be patient and let it age for six years, which just, it's so good. It almost has that American bourbon characteristic from that oak because we did let it age for so long. And it has that nice, like, I get that eucalyptus green kind of flavor. Rye whiskey to me is a weird flavor to think of, but I always think of the color green. When I taste rye, I think green. And this has that, like, fresh rye pumpernickel bread. Green countryside. Yes, absolutely. Got so good. So I'm going to move on to your colleague. I'm Nicole. Nicole Gilbert. And you work for the same business. I do indeed. Now, I know that, I know having spoken to you both, you both love what you do, what a great business you work for. You love a bit of scotch as well, is that fair? I think that's fair to say, yeah. That's putting it lightly, I'd actually say. She's, uh, she's my scotch teacher. Okay. She really is. I spent almost uh, uh, the better part of a decade working for a, uh, a scotch bar in St. Louis, which is... At the time, you know, COVID did change things for everybody rather unfortunately, but at the time it was one of the biggest in, uh, in, in the St. Louis area, and at the very least in Missouri, I think. Are you going to go to Scotland? Yes, it is. It is on the very, very short list of things I plan on doing. Um, the owner of the Scottish Arms, the place that I work at in St. Louis, uh, he is from Aberdeen. And so he, he came over. You know what they say about Aberdeen? Fifty Shades of Grey. 
It's quite a grey city, but nice. I, I've heard. I've heard that. What's What's funny about him is that when he came to the states, he actually fell in love with barbecue, and now he makes. He has a barbecue restaurant as well, which is, and it's particularly funny because uh, he always talked about how it was always very grey in in Aberdeen, and so all the buildings are made of granite, so it's grey. You just only occasionally have a nice day where you can drag the rusty grill out and throw some meat on it and whatnot and try to try to make it palatable. So he actually makes very good barbecue. He learned from the best. He actually would volunteer at barbecue competitions in Kansas City to learn how to do what he does. But uh, yeah, he's, he's he was a really tremendous boss. Uh, his name is his name is Ali Nisbet. Ali, Ali Nisbet, very Scottish. Yes, very very Scottish. I've heard um, I've heard some things about the name Nisbet in the uh, what is it? Uh, oh, do tell us. Uh, what is it, Rab, Rab Nisbet or something? There was a ch- Rab C Nisbet. Nisbet. Thank you. I've, I've been told about that, and I, I, it was explained to me, and I said it to him once and once only, and he gave me a look, and I never said it again, because apparently he was made out of relentlessly uh, in his younger years. But yeah, he, uh, he is very, very. He's very generous to his staff, and he uh, he actually took the general manager of the Scottish Arms to Scotland to meet with his family and everything, and just took him on a whirlwind tour of Scotland. So I'm hoping to get that same treatment someday. So if you're in St. Louis, St. Louis, sorry, and you want to drink great Scottish whiskey, any whiskey, you should go to the Scottish Arms. Is that fair? I would say so, yeah. Again, COVID did change things, so our selection is not as robust as it once was, but it's coming back. I say our as if I still work there. I'm full-time for Jay Rieger and company, but it does hold a, a piece of my heart uh, very dear. It's where I where I learned so much about single malts. It's where, I, I mean, my expertise really is in single malts as far as my whiskey knowledge. And I know you're very, very, you love a bit of single malt. Favorite time do you bat strength? You know, I wish I could revisit number two to compare it against the four that I had today. And I haven't had a chance to try five and six, but I, I mean, I'd happily, uh, you know, sit down and go through the whole line. We'll sort that out for you. I would like that very much. I really do like the Bat Strength lineup. I think they're really, really good. And I really enjoyed selling people on them. I tend to like my single malts to be higher proof. Like, if you can get me something that's 92 plus, I really, you know, really do think it comes out better in in the end for me for my palate i should say fantastic look great to have you on whiskey unscripted thank you very much for uh, your wonderful insights oh well thank you for having me i appreciate it i have to say i'm quite jealous i would have liked to have been at uh, that bar i know <laughs> it's brilliant some of those interviews <laughs> it's a fabulous bar it's a very social space um and uh it's you know it's, it's generally a late like a late night leave um, and it was that night. Um, the next night was Whiskey Fest in Chicago, which is on a Friday night, which is effectively their big sort of whiskey show. They do them all around the US um, and it's run by Whiskey uh, Advocate, which is the magazine over there, rival to Whiskey Magazine, you may say. And it's a, a big whiskey show where you have lots of stands and um, it's a, it, it, it's a it, yeah, it was a good show. Important for us to be there, I think. But um Really nice to just connect with a lot of people and get people's thoughts on some new whiskies over there. Um, but before the show started, I've got a good friend, Marty Duffy, who is, a lot of people may have heard of Marty, former Master of Scotch, works with Glen Cairn, and really is Mr. Whiskey in Chicago. So just to some, finish off the trip to the US, I thought, let's get Marty's thoughts on Whiskey Fest Chicago. 
So I'm sitting here in the Hayat with uh, Marty Duffy. Uh, Marty, it's just before Whiskey Fest. Now, uh, those who may not know, Marty is a former Master of Scotch with Diageo and Mr. Whiskey in Chicago. Is that fair? Uh, yes, uh, Mr. Whiskey. Mr. Chicago slash Mr. Whiskey, yeah. So, Marty, Whiskey Fest uh, comes around, well, it seems to come around quicker every year, but um, how much do you enjoy this sort of Whiskey Week in Chicago? Um, I do. I always look forward to it. Then once it's here, um, I dread it because it is an endurance test. It is going out night after night after night drinking lots of whiskey. And I'm not a young man anymore. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think my liver actually uh, escaped my body on Tuesday. It actually left. I'm not even filtering the whiskey anymore. So if anybody in Chicago happens to see us, yeah, yeah, we'll get it back to you. You also do a little bit of work for um, a certain glass maker. Would that be fair? Yes, it's a uh, little family-owned uh, company out of Scotland, a uh, little tiny third-world country, Scotland. And uh, they make uh, uh, the wonderful Glencairn glass, beautiful crystal whiskey receptacle. Um, for all those who like to uh, really appreciate the fine nuances of a good whiskey, whether it be Scotch or maybe Irish whiskey, or maybe an American bourbon, huh? Yeah, or even a gin, if you want. Yeah, we're not prejudiced. Well, you can drink whatever you want. That's how we look at things. Marty, great to see you, and great to be here for Whiskey Fest. We'll share a dram later. You bet, Gordo. I'm coming right to your table and crawling underneath it and sleeping there. <laughs> nice. And again, he sounds like somebody you like to hang out with, I have to say. Very entertaining chap. Yes, Marty is very entertaining. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, just yeah, a good friend of mine. Again, good to catch up with and get his view on his amusing view on uh, whiskey in Chicago. This is, uh, but then I went on to New York and did some things in New York, which were good and uh, came home feeling crikey. I haven't done this travel thing for a while, which was interesting. No, look, it was great. It was really, really good, but you know, take it- one more highlight. Must surely has to be William H. Macy. Be, yes. I mean, to get in, a, uh, to meet him and what a wonderful guy. And uh, you know, he's going to come to Glen Goyne. He's got my card. He's very keen to see how we do it over here. He was a gentleman in every sort of uh, meaning of the word. And um, pleasure to meet him and loved Tam Do, which was nice. Lovely. So, and Benny's on just a, another issue at the time. Is it a big place? Yeah, they're a big chain of about 50 stores in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you have independent stores in the US. You have bigger chain stores, depending on the states. You have... You have states that are government run, so the government buys the alcohol. I mean, every state is different, which is one of the challenges. But Illinois is uh, is a Chicago, a big market, traditional whiskey market, obviously, with Al Capone and all that stuff, of course, around there, which you know a lot about. But, um, you know, one of our big target cities is Chicago. So it was great to be there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, Gordon, with lots of voices on tonight. Can I just say thank you to, well, I've had Chicago, talk New York, we've been in London, we've even been to Wishy. So can I just say thanks to Christopher Coates and I'll say thanks to Derek Mather and Fiora, of course. Well, I want to thank William H. Macy um, again. Uh, Neil from Torreveig, thank you. To Mike Miller of Delilah's. And, you know, if you're in New York, uh, sorry, Chicago, 
go to Delilah's. Uh, you may remember Compass Box did a bottling of Delilah whiskey about um, five to ten years ago. Richard Urquhart, Andy and Nicole from Jay Rieger, and Marty Duffy. Hey. So yeah, look at we we haven't got a lot of our chat, but um, a great amount of interviews, just showing the world of whiskey to you, and we hope you enjoy. But we'll see you for episode six. Yes, absolutely. See you then. Bye bye. Congratulations on reaching the end of the episodes, and to say thank you, here's a little outtake. Paul Mather of the Artisan Restaurant and lovely food, and at the end of the night, I managed to grab. Paul and in front of the assembled company had a quick interview. And is it not? Um, is it not Derek? Uh, Derek, yes. You said Paul. <laughs> Let's start again. Along <laughs> 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 the whiskey trail, 